Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. As you're finding your place, I just want to say to you one more time, I say this every week, but there's no way we can say it enough, that we exist here at Faith Christian for one reason, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. And so if there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, help you understand more fully this reckless love that we just sang about, we would love to walk with you on that journey. Uh, we do want to mention to you tonight that uh, our middle school and high school youth group is continuing tonight, 6 to 7.30, 6 o'clock tonight, middle school and high school students. If you've got one of those in your life, be sure they're here tonight at 6 o'clock for our, our youth group time, and uh, we'll look forward to spending that time with them again tonight. Let me say to you this week, I said it last week, but I'll say to you again this morning, welcome home. Uh, we're in this series. We started this series, uh, actually this theme for our fall last Sunday morning called Welcome, Welcome Home. And as we begin this theme of Welcome Home, what we're doing these first couple of weeks this fall is we are taking a deep dive into one of the most familiar stories that Jesus told, the story of the prodigal son. So let me just ask you, as we dig back into the story today, if you have any regrets. You know about anything. You, you, you have any regrets? You got something, don't you? I love the old commercial, the guy getting the tattoo that said no regrets, but it was spelled wrong, so it said no regrets. Remember that? No regrets. I love that so much, I actually named this sermon No Regrets. That's the title of today's sermon, is No Regrets. You ever hear anyone say, you know, I, got, I don't have any regrets. I got no regrets. When I look back on my life, I've got no regrets. And that's admirable to think that you lived just kind of crazy like that. But also, when I hear someone say that, you know what I want to say to them? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Because we all have regrets, don't we? There is no such thing as a person without regrets. I've got, my, I've got regrets in my life from, from last week. You've probably got regrets from your life maybe from last night. Some of you made that 11.30 run to the border last night and ate Taco Bell right before bedtime. You've regretting that all night long, haven't you? You know what those regrets are. We all have regrets. Now, if you were with us last week, or if you were tuned in online last week, you know that deep down, we talk about this, deep down we all have these deep-seated longings that God has put in our lives. God, God's put them there. They're, they're there for a reason. There's a longing. We all have a longing for purpose. We all have a longing for love, to love, and to be loved. We all have a longing for meaning. And these longings can send us on a search for something more. Bruce Springsteen saying, everybody's got a hungry heart. And that's true. We all have these longings, and these longings were put into our lives by our Creator, by God. And sometimes, though, instead of turning in God's direction to fulfill those longings, we make bad decisions in, in our lives based on some flawed assumptions. We make poor choices based on just what we thought was true. Maybe you had some flawed assumptions about relationships and you believe something along the lines of, well, you know, if, if I can just find the right person, then I'll be happy. And so you went on a search for the right person and you looked and you looked and you looked and you finally found the right person, but you still weren't happy. So you just assumed that you'd actually found the wrong right person. And so you went searching again for the right person. And maybe now you've been, to, been through two or three or four or five right persons, 
and you have some regrets because you had some flawed assumptions. Maybe you had some, some, you've made some career choices in your life based upon flawed assumptions. You assume if you can achieve enough or if you can make enough money, then you will be content. But now you have anything money could buy, but you don't have a relationship with your kids. Or you're still empty on the inside. Maybe you have a number of regrets, you're pretty sure, because you had some flawed assumptions. I suspect some of you had some flawed assumptions about Christianity, about Jesus. And those flawed assumptions were based on hurts that you experienced from imperfect people. People who said that they were followers of Jesus. But they behaved, and they did things, or they posted things on social media that you think, <laughs> if that's what God is like, I don't want anything to do with that. And so you ran away from God. You ran away from anything having to do with Jesus. You ran away from the church. But now maybe it's hit you, well, what if? What if your assumptions about Jesus were based on flawed assumptions, based on flawed human beings and not a perfect, loving Savior? We all have regrets. And most of those regrets are because we've made bad decisions based on flawed assumptions. And so now maybe you've reached a point in your life where you are you were craving a fresh start. You were longing to be welcomed home, which is our theme this fall. And that is exactly where we are in this story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son today. Let me recap what we covered last week real quickly. Jesus tells this brilliant story in Luke chapter 15 about this brash younger son who approaches his father and asks his father a question that never should have been asked. He says, Dad, give me my portion of your estate now. Basically, he's saying to Dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. I don't like you. I don't like this life. I don't like any part of this. Just give me my share now because I'm going to go as far away from here as I can get and live the life I want to live. I'm going to go as far away from you as I can go. And surprisingly, in this story, surprisingly, the father does it. And the father raises the cash, and the boy holds out his hands and stuffs his pockets full. And he drives away to, I don't know, Viva Las Baghdad or something like that. He's got Born to be Wild blaring on his brand new shiny chariot that he's got. And for a while, everything seems to be great. Everything seems to be wonderful. It's one continuous party. It's spring break meets the Las Vegas Strip, meets Hollywood, meets Girls Gone Wild, and he's searching for purpose, and he is searching for love, and he is searching for meaning, but the Bible says he squanders all of his inheritance. He squanders all of his money. He flushes it away on parties and prostitutes, and when the money is gone, <laughs> so are all those beautiful women who he was just sure loved him. When the money's all gone, so are all of his so-called friends. And it's not long before his entire life is just spinning out of control, spiraling downward. He ends up broken, penniless, bankrupt. And finally, this good, kosher Jewish boy, and this would have been the bottom of the barrel for a Jewish boy. This kosher boy goes and gets a job on a pig farm. And he is so broken and so hungry, physically hungry, that the food that he is feeding the pigs looks appetizing to him. 
and he realizes that what he thought would bring him purpose and love and meaning was all based on a flawed assumption. And now he is living in the pig pen of regret. This is the turning point. This is the moment when he starts craving a fresh start. This is the spot where he wants to go home. He wants to go home. And actually, I think as painful as it can be, it's a pretty good reminder to you and me that God does some of his best work in the pig pens of our lives. I want you to look carefully what happens next in this story. Again, Luke chapter 15, verse 17. Let me read it to you. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Lawrence, put that slide up for me, please. Let them, they need to see this. There it is. I want, you, I want you to pay attention to this phrase there in that, right at the beginning of that sentence. I've got it underlined on the screen. Came to his senses. Let me tell you what I think that means. I think he's there in the pig pen. He's feeding the pigs. He's hungry. And all of a sudden, he starts thinking about the true condition of his life. And he says, where is my future headed? If I don't change the pattern of my past, where am I going? What, 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 what lies for me tomorrow? Reality slaps you across the face. And whenever reality hits, regret is close behind. What was I thinking? I, I've blown my entire estate. I'm starving to death. What do I do? I think when it says he came to his senses, it includes the thought that for the first time, maybe, maybe for the first time he realizes, my life could be different than this. My life could be different than the mess that I put it in. Maybe my life could be better. And he starts to imagine, what if? What if I returned home to my father? And he even says in that verse that it's at home, even the hired servants, even the employees, the servants have food enough to eat. And here I am in this pig pen, starving to death. So he has to think, what if? What if I returned home and just worked for my dad? Surely my dad would at least give me a job. At least I could feed the animals on, on dad's farm. At least I'd have three meals a day. At least there would be a roof over my head. That would sure be better than this. You know, when I've, when I've talked to people who have found their way home to God, they will almost always be able to go back and tell you about an era, about a moment that they remember in vivid, high-definition detail. And they'll say, I finally started coming to my senses. I, I finally started coming to my senses. And they'll tell you about a time when pain or guilt or boredom <laughs> or brokenness or loss, or addiction, or emptiness, or failure, or defeat, or divorce, or grief, or frustration, just drove them to a defining experience. 
where they, will did, where, where they did their version of the prodigal something and they just came to their senses. There's two important things here in this moment in the prodigal son's life, two important things that he discovers that I think all of us need to discover. If we're ever going to find our way back home to our Heavenly Father, first, coming home begins with wanting to leave where you are. You've got to want to be better. You've got to want to be on the other side of it. You've got to want to leave where you are. And you start reflecting on your life, saying, I don't want my future to be like my past. I don't want to go on living like this, partying like this, lying like this, cheating like this, empty like this, wounded like this, grieving like this. When the prodigal son comes to his senses and he climbs out of that pig pen with deep desire to leave his regrets of his past where his flawed assumptions and choices had taken him, and he heads in the direction of the father. You, you all understand, don't you, that in this story, the father represents God in the story, right? And so the prodigal son says in Luke 15, verse 18, I will go home to my father and say father i have sinned against both heaven and you and i am no longer worthy to be called your son please take me on as a hired servant you, you, you ever have one of those moments where you knew you had a tough conversation that you were going to have to have with a kid with a co-worker with a friend with a parent with someone you knew you had a tough conversation coming up so you had to you kind of rehearsed the conversation and maybe you did it out loud often when i know i'm gonna have to have a tough conversation i will actually write down what i'm what i need to say what i want to say not, not just the talking points but but how i want to say what i need to say that's the prodigal son in this moment right here in, in verse 19 he is practicing his coming home speech he's practicing what he's going to say to his dad and at this point he climbs out of the pig pen and heads in the direction of the father which brings us to the second important thing that he discovers and that we need to discover that while coming home begins with wanting to leave where you are coming home continues by taking a step toward god there are lots of people who wake up with regret, mountains of regret, who want to leave where they are, but they haven't done, what they haven't done is they haven't taken one step toward God. The son says, I will set out and go back to my father. I am taking a step toward my father. You see, for, for a fresh start to happen in our lives, we must come to that that high intensity, that high depth, that defining moment where we actually leave where we are. Not just want to leave, but we actually leave where we are and we take a step back towards our Heavenly Father. I bet if, if we could hear the prodigal son tell his story, you know, <clears throat> you know, 15 years, 20 years after the moment of the pig pen, I suspect he would have been able to describe to us in just brilliant, high-definition, technicolor detail what it felt like when he dropped that pail he was feeding the pigs from. And he crawled over that fence, and he began that walk, that journey, step at a time, back home to his father. And so let me say to all of you and all of you watching online who are serious about finding your way home to God, all of us who want our lives to be different, 
you need one of those high-definition moments, too, where you resign something, where you end something, where you get rid of some stuff, where you delete some phone numbers, where you get some filtering software on your devices, where you move out of a non-God-honoring setting or relationship, where you slam the door on your past, and you take a step toward the future saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. I've told you before, this, this is my favorite story in the Bible. This is my favorite picture of God in, in the entire scriptures, Luke 15. And, and I've learned something that I, I, I've studied this thing, I've preached this thing for, I learned something this summer when I was doing some, some research on this, on this story that I didn't know. Because I started wondering, what took this kid so long to come home? What, what was it? Why do you think it took so long for this boy to come to his senses? Why did it take him so long to break? Why does he wait until he's lost everything? Well, I learned about, I want you to know about, I learned about something that the first century listeners, when, when they would have heard Jesus tell the story for the first time, they would have known about this. Jesus didn't have to talk about this because they would have known. This was the reality of the culture that they lived in. But most of us in 2021, we're not familiar with, with this moment, this, this thing that happened back in the first century. In the first century, if a Jewish boy were to have taken his inheritance, like this boy does in the story, and loses it among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, which is what this boy would have done, so that the Gentiles end up with the resources that used to be a part of Israel, and then that boy comes home there was a ceremony. A ceremony invoked to indicate figuratively and literally that this kid is now cut off from his family. He's cut off from the village. He's cut off from the community. He is now an outsider. And this Jewish boy knows if he comes home, he knows what is in store for him. When a Jewish boy would have squandered his inheritance among the Gentiles, if he dared to try to return home, what would have happened in the first century is that the entire community, not just the dad, the entire community would have gathered on the edge of town. And they would have met him as he came to the, to the city limits. And in a very visual, very dramatic gesture, they would each one have taken a pot, a piece of pottery, everyday thing they would have used, and they would have raised it over their heads, and they would have smashed it onto the ground right in front of him, causing it to break right in front of him. And then they would have picked up the broken pieces, just as a simple way of saying to this boy, you have broken everything that is good. You have broken trust with this community. Worse yet, you have broken the heart of your father, and the damage is now beyond repair. Let this be a symbol of your brokenness. Let these broken pieces represent your broken life. You are not whole. You are not welcome here. 
You are not welcome home. You are not family. From this point, you are cut off. And then they would all turn their backs to him. And in a very dramatic way, they would walk back home, leaving him on the outside of the city. This ceremony was called the kezazah. The kezazah, which is a Hebrew word for the cutting off. Say that word with me, just say it. Kezazah, kezazah. Some of us have felt this kind of brokenness. This shame. This boy knows what is waiting on him if he goes home. That's why he stays away for so long. Even when there's so much hurt and pain and brokenness there in the pig pen, even when there's a great famine, even when there's no hope and no future, he stays where he is because he knows what's coming when he goes home. Finally, one day, he comes to his senses. And he says, I, I need help. I can't do it on my own. And even this is better than living with these pigs. And so he decides to come home. And so he writes his little speech in his head. And he practices it the whole way home. And he braces himself for what is coming. He expects kezazah. But there's one thing he hadn't counted on. Outside of the village, back home, stands an old heartbroken man. And that old heartbroken man is looking over the horizon as he does every day, hoping praying, hoping against hope that one day his son will come home. And one day he sees him. It's far away, but he knows. He knows that's his boy. He, he knows the way he walks. I mean, this old man had seen this boy take his first steps. He knows it's him by the way he walks. He knows it's his boy. And Jesus says in verse 20, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. The word run here is a word that would normally be used for an athletic contest. He raced to his son. He sprinted to his son. Why? Because he can't stop thinking about his lost boy, his broken boy. And if, if the village gets there first, Kezazah. But if he gets there first, if the village gets there first, it's shame. It's brokenness. It's cut off. It's humiliation. And that might crush the boy forever. He thinks if they get to him first, I'll never get my boy back. I've got to be the first one to my son because I can't let Kezazah happen. I can't let the humiliation, the brokenness, and the shame mark his life forever. I've got to get to him before anyone else does. So he runs to his son. While the boy is still a long way off, the father sees him filled with compassion for him. This is my favorite scene in the Bible. In full stride for the whole world and community to see. Hair blowing, robe hitched up, sandals flopping and flapping, arms stretched out. 
He sprints to his son. He throws his arms around his son. He hugs him. He kisses him, and he says, Welcome home. Folks, listen to me. This is what we are about as a church. This is why we are here. To run, arms stretched, to welcome home. We want to provide a place to welcome home sin-wrecked people like we all are. And we want to help them find out that there is a hope for them and to find out that they have a God who loves them and is always ready to run to them, throw his arms around them, welcome them home. In fact, maybe some of you today some of you in this room, some of you watching online, some of you are coming to your senses. Maybe you're ready to come home, to leave where you've been, to take a step in the direction of God who is ready with his arms open to run to you and say, welcome home. Even with your doubts, even with your anger, even with your hurt, even with your, God, I've told you I don't want you, I don't need you, I don't want anything to do with you. Even with your regrets, even with your brokenness, because regrets don't get to have the last word. Brokenness doesn't get the last word. Jesus does. On the cross, Jesus became broken for us. His body broken for us. His blood spilled for us. And all of this was done so that you can come home. And God will forgive your sin and help you put your life back together again so maybe it's time to come home. Just take that one step. Take that next step. And as you get closer, and as you keep walking, you'll see in the distance, you'll see that the Father is the one who is running to you to welcome you home. Would you bow your heads? If you're watching online, bow your heads where you're watching as well. I just want to speak to two groups of people for just a moment. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, First, some, some of us in the room, some of us watching this broadcast online, some of you have never come home to Jesus. There's never been a moment in your life where you've said, Jesus, Jesus, I surrender. I, I give up. I'm coming home. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need you. I need what you did for me on the cross. That's one group. The second group, and there are many of us who have found our way home to Jesus at one time or another. We've been there but who also, if we're honest, we've wandered away. We've walked away. We've been wounded along the way. We've been broken along the way. So either way, either group, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come to your senses and come home. He won't judge you. He won't condemn you. He's the God who runs to you. So today, if this is what you want, you need to find your way back home to Jesus. I'm going to ask you with no fanfare, no pretense, no pressure, just there as you sit quietly, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. 
And for those of us in the room and those of us watching this broadcast online who already follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray this same prayer with me as well. As a sign of your faith, whether you're in the room or you're watching on the other side of the camera, would you pray this prayer too? I'm going to pray it out loud. You pray silently where you sit. Let's all do this as a way of renewing our own relationships with Jesus. Just pray after me. Jesus, I'm coming home. I've been away from you. I've messed up, so I'm coming home. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for healing the broken pieces of my life. Thank you for welcoming me home. God, we thank you for being a father who runs to us, and we are so grateful to you for how much of your patience and how much of your grace and how much of your love you have given us in our lives. God, thank you for those who have found you to be real in their life. And as we move now to our time of communion, make yourself real to each one of us as we celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus.